Well, y'all, Becky's not here, so you have nobody to protect you <laughs> from me. That's t- terrible, isn't it? I'm sorry for you. Because she does protect you. You know, she, she does. So you're going to have to trust the Lord. Isn't that a pity? <laughs> All right, so I'm going to, I got just enough time to do this message, probably, or some portion of it. So, <clears throat> you know, this is not my second part of that message. I so profoundly messed up last week. I'm not going to give that second part yet because I'm feeling like I should do this. This is, You know, remember Star Wars came out years ago? Uh, well, I forget what the name of them was. Star Wars, right? Revenge of the Net, Return of the Jedi, and Empire. Empire. Those were the best. And then they came out these prequel movies. Remember, pre, you know what a prequel is? Well, this is kind of a prequel, but it's a good prequel. So I'm giving you a prequel. Uh, what I want to talk to you about is uh, this parable of the talents. I believe this is really in the in the heart of the Lord right now, big time, and it's one of uh, it's one of Jesus' more famous parables, right? Most people know about the parable of the talents, um, and actually, it's in uh, Matthew twenty five, and Matthew twenty four and twenty five are kind of uh, end time things, right? Where Jesus was talking about the end. And so he was t- giving these uh, parables to help people understand some things about about life and about how we're supposed to live our life. It just, it's just amazing that he gave such clear understanding to things and we've all twisted it up. You know, I, I want to say this, and I say this in a good way, the longer I've walked with the Lord, the more flawed I see that our version of Christianity is. It's just flawed. It's deeply flawed. And one of the reasons it's deeply flawed is because we're deeply flawed. But God really loves us nevertheless. He's in love with us. And so he overlooks our flaws. But he doesn't want us to wallow in our flaws. And I just feel like God wants to bring to bring us out of the flaws that we live in, our flaws in our theology and flaws in how, what we see the Scripture. And trust me, I don't think I, I know enough to do that. But I do know that God is shifting things in my own heart about Him and about the way we are to live our Christian life. Um, so if I didn't say anything else, hopefully it will get you thinking. Uh, we just don't know everything, and it's good not to know. You know, for a person to come to that reality that all this stuff that people say and people believe, maybe it's not, maybe it's not exactly right, but that's okay because we're on this journey. And so God's not disappointed with us or angry with us on any level, but he does want us to, to, to come into a greater revelation of himself and a greater revelation of, of the word of God. In, uh, in God's ways in our life. Amen? Amen? And I would be honest with you. I think the Pentecostal and Charismatic Church is the worst in some ways. In some ways not, but in some ways we're just the worst because we have this mindset about how, how this thing's supposed to work and the way it's supposed to look. And I feel like God's saying, you're limiting yourself. 
you're limiting yourself. Don't limit me. Don't limit the possibilities that I have for you. That's what I feel, but anyways, this is not... <laughs> this is not what this parable of time, I'm just telling you, this is prequel, right? So, all right, so y'all know this parable, okay? It's, you know, there were this man, this guy, obviously a very wealthy man who decided to go on this journey. I'm not going to read it because it's, it's long to read. I'd rather tell it. They can stick it up there if you want to read it, just so you can check, make sure I'm not lying to you. <laughs> anyway, so he called three of his servants and gave them each his goods. It says his goods. And he basically wanted them to, to take care of those goods of his until he returned. And so it says he, then it says he gave one of them five talents, one of them two talents, and one of them one talent. Right? And then it says the one that got five talents went and invested the money. Okay? So let's just say this. This thing has been traditionally taught, and rightfully so. There's a lot about money in here. I hate to tell you. Y'all, y'all get all nervous. when People get nervous when pastors talk about money, but I don't. that's not a really an issue. I have no problem talking about money. You know, I've been whipped down and beat down by the Lord so many times that I can talk about money now because it's not about me. And so... But it's, this is not all the thing this is about. This is, I'm not talking to you about money this morning, okay? Although this has money in there. So you better think about money in the big picture. Because money is a part of what God's given us, okay? He's given And if you've got money today, God gave you the power to get that money. Whether you earn, earn in power or through inheritance or through gift or whatever, God enabled you to have that money, okay? So... You're going to be accountable for it. I just want to say that. Anyways, that's don't get all heavy. So he gave these three guys this. this it says the five-talent guy went out immediately and, and invested the money and doubled it. The two-talent guy went out immediately and invested the money and doubled it. The one-talent guy went out immediately and dug a hole and put his money in, in the hole in the ground. Now, just to make this really clear, everybody in that day who was hearing that understood that was a normal thing to do in those days because the Roman Empire had taken over and a lot of people would take their money instead of giving it to a a banker or someone that was public where the Romans could access it, where Romans could tax them on it, they would go bury it somewhere. That's why those the parables of the hidden treasure, it's like somebody died and forgot where they buried their treasure or they didn't tell nobody, and then somebody else stumbled across it. It was money probably still buried in Israel today, you know. Uh, so that was sort of a normal thing. That's what I want to tell you. This was not abnormal. To us, it would seem a little abnormal and weird if somebody went out and buried money. Like, well, what's, what's your problem? You know, you think it's Y2K or something? <laughs> People did that in Y2K. They bought silver and gold and buried it in their backyard. It was insanity, but so, and then the 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 master the came back and and brought everybody into account for what they did, and you know, of course, it says, you know, oh wow, you doubled it, you know, enter into the joy of the Lord. You got, you know, 
Even more, he'd given you all these cities to be over. And then the, the two, he dealt you got all these Then the guy came with the one and said, listen, master, I knew you to be a very hard man reaping where you didn't sow. So I took, here's your, here's your money. And the master was upset with them. He said, I was afraid. I was afraid to do anything with your money. So I just buried it. The master was not happy. He said, at least you could have took that money and put it in the bank and got interest on it. At least. And he said, take it away from him, you wicked. He called him a wicked and lazy servant. A wicked and lazy servant. You know, and then he gave this famous scripture, for him who has, tomorrow will be given. And to him who doesn't have, even what he has is going to be taken away. That's Jesus talking. That seems like a hard statement. But that's, that's Jesus talking. And he said, cast this guy out into outer darkness. You know, it's not a good place to be. In other words, you're out of the house. You're out. And so that's the story. Y'all, are y'all with me? So I was wanted to tell you a few things, you know, the Lord was, has been showing me. First of all, I wanted to tell you this. It's kind of nice, you know, Becky's been in Texas since Thursday. Um, so... It was kind of nice being by myself for a few days, <laughs> honestly, because I feel like my life has been uh, racing for months, you know, really overly occupied as the way it felt, um, but just being alone and being there to talk to the Lord uh, was really good, and the Lord really spoke to me some, mainly about me. Uh, which is really good. I like to hear about me from God, don't you? Um, I just, you know, feel like God wants to talk to people. I feel like we need to give them a chance. You, you might not need two or three days like I did. <laughs> but I, here's, here's what I've learned about the Lord. Sometimes just stop whatever you're doing normally with God. Just your prayers, the way you read. Just stop all that. Put it aside. Okay, just put it aside and hang out with God. If, if you're a guy, watch golf with him on TV. If you like golf, if you like bat, watch it and just have an ongoing conversation. And God will talk to you. If you're a girl and you like girly things, just do girly stuff. And in the middle of girly stuff, God will talk girly talk with you. I, but I just want to encourage you that there's a thing that gets on Christians that we got to do it a certain way to make God happy. And God is yearning to hang out with us because we're His joy. We're the pride and joy of His heart. I'll go hang out with my grandkids and play with them and do, and do stuff that I don't really do with anybody else. Why? Because I love them and I want to be with them. And I'll just be and just sit there and listen to them and talk to them while they're playing and play with them and be thoroughly defeated in every game that they play. And they, you know, they love to let me know. Uh, Hannah Joy, I'm just telling you something that's really sweet to me. We have this game called Matching Game. It's a bunch of cards, and they got these little figures on them. And you place them down face down, and you pick up a card, one card, and then you pick up another card to see what matches. And it's a memory game. You've got to memory, memorize where all these cards are. And Hannah Joy says, I'm good at this. I can beat you. That's why she said it. And she just beached me senseless. 
But it's such a joy to see a, a little person that, have some, that has confidence in them. You know? And it's just like God wants to teach us something in that. To, where you can boldly say, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. And prove it. Why? I feel like God wants to, I think He wants to break off this false humility thing off in people. And just break that stuff off in people. And get people more childlike. You know what I'm saying? And become more trusting. And become more real with Him. And when you'll do that, God will be more real to you. Let's get rid of religion. Okay? Let's get rid of forms and principles. And just get real with God. And let God begin to speak to us. I'm going to stop on that. But that's so amazing to me. I'm never going to get done with this. Y'all have really... Like I say, you don't have Becky here. All right, so this beautiful uh, parable begins with these words, the kingdom of heaven is like. The king, see, that, that's a, now I want you to get this phrase, the kingdom of heaven. We have prayed a prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see that prayer answered. So what Jesus did all over, and especially in the Gospel of Matthew, he gave these parables, and all of his parables in the Gospel of Matthew started with that one phrase. What he was trying to tell us, this is what heaven looks like. This is how heaven thinks. And so if you want the kingdom of heaven to come, I'm going to show you so you'll know when it comes, because you may think it's going to look like something else. You may think it's going to manifest in a different way. I want to show you how it's really going to manifest. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You may think, oh, heaven comes when there's colors in the room. Well, that could be, and it is. But Jesus didn't say that in any of his parables. So probably what we need to do is learn how to focus on how he says the kingdom of heaven is. And then let the other stuff take care of itself. Are y'all knowing what I'm talking about? Yeah, it is a good blueprint. So, So that's what he did. So here... He was talking about himself. He was the master. And he left goods and money to, to his people. Okay? I'll read you a few things I just read in this thing that, that I felt that stood out to me. Okay? Uh, each one of us has been entrusted with at least one talent and some goods. At least Bottom line, everybody in this room has something that God has put in you. Everybody. That's important for, for you to know that heaven, that's how heaven thinks. I've put something in you. I've entrusted something to you. Okay? Uh, we're all expected to be managers. Are you hearing? That's what a steward is. That's what Jesus was doing. See, that's what he was really trying, one of the things he was trying to tell us in this parable I don't want you just to be servants. Obviously, we're to be sons. Obviously, we're to be daughters. Obviously, we're to be friends. Uh, Ryan's message, bride of Christ. But there's another thing. We're to be managers, a steward. We're to manage what he's given us. We're to take care of what he's given us. Are y'all following this? Really important, okay? All right. The number of talents varies with, listen, our God-given ability to manage them. God has not only given you something to manage, He's given you inside ability to manage it. You have that, okay? It came with 
with, you know, as part of the, the equipment, you have the grace in you to manage what he's given you. Uh, the king, the master is not unreasonable. He gives you responsibility in line with, okay, in line with your abilities. Do y'all see that? So whatever he's invested in you, he's also, he's fair about it. He's not demanding something below you, your abilities, or above your abilities. He's demanding something of your abilities. Now that's important. Your abilities can and should increase to at least double. You should at least, minimum, double your abilities in whatever God's called you to do and whatever God's put in you. If it's a relational thing, you should be doubly good at relationships at some point in your life. Are y'all engaging with me? Y'all just sitting there looking at me like you're mad at me? Uh, In the kingdom, we only get to keep what we give away. We only get to keep what we give away. The more you give, the more you will be able to contain. And that's really the truth. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. And I hate to say this, God doesn't really like it when he pours and pours and pours into a people and they just want him to keep pouring and blessing them, but nothing ever comes out. There's something wrong with that. They call it the Dead Sea in the natural. That's why the Dead Sea's dead. It got poured into, but it never released. Are y'all following this? Okay. We will be called to give account to the king one day for what he's put in us. Everybody in this room, you're going to give an account to him. There ain't going to be no sliding by on that one. Okay, good stewards or good managers were the ones, listen to this, who took risk and actions in order to multiply what they had been given. They took risk and action. They risked. They risked the thing that he gave them. They put it at risk. And they took action. They did something. Notice it didn't say, listen, here's how I want you to invest this, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. No, he didn't. He didn't give them that information. He just put it to them and said, do something with it. Figure it out and do it. That sounds fun, doesn't it? Bad stores operate out of fear. I was, that's what he said. I'm afraid. I was afraid. Because you're hard. They have a bad view of God. They don't see God as generous and fair and loving and kind. And therefore, that's what they get from him. And so fear keeps a lot of people from doing anything. And you might say, well, I've failed in the past, but it's still fear, and fear is ruling you. Okay, I'm trying to keep going here. Lord, help me. All right, so here's something I want to uh, give you a thought on. It's for us to really become the kind of stewards that God wants us to do. There's this thing that I call the wilderness mindset, Okay. It was the wilderness that where Israel and the Old Testament were in the, in the wilderness, wandering around in the wilderness. And God provided everything for them. Remember? His, their clothes never wore out. They had a cloud that led them. They had a, in the daytime, at night they had a ball of fire, so they knew when to go, when to stop. Everything was given to them. They had manna every day. Okay? That's a wilderness thought. God's going to do all this stuff... I don't even have to hardly think for myself. Okay? Well, guess what? They cross over, go into the promised land, they get in there, and guess what stops? 
The manna stops, the cloud disappears. The only light they got is the sun in the day and the moon at night. It ain't moving nowhere. And they ate the food, but they did have houses and vineyards. And the whole point was, God says, here's, I'm helping you. I'm giving you a start, but you're going to have to do something with this stuff. You're going to have to go out in those gardens, and you're going to have to till those gardens. You're going to have to take care of those homes. You're going to have to fix them. You're going to have to beautify them. You're going to have to work at this. Yeah. And that was, that was the promised land. Are y'all following this? So a lot of Christians are sitting around thinking the way everything works, God does all this stuff. You know everything. No, God's saying, no, that's not how this thing works. That's what makes a bad steward. Because that steward was afraid. That steward didn't get all the instructions. He just got the stuff. Now you take care of it. Y'all following? That sounds kind of kind of like a man. What kind of Christianity is this? It's a free Christianity. It's a loving Christianity. It reveals a God who's not stuck in certain patterns. It reveals a God who wants to open his heart up and his life up to people. Okay? Um, So let me give you some more thoughts here. I'm just giving you thoughts this morning. Uh, So, one, for us to really be good stewards or or what I'm going to call kingdom managers, we have to be willing to take risk and see opportunity where everybody else sees difficulty. That, see, that's the difference between those, those guys. The bad guy saw difficulty, and he didn't do anything. The, good, the two good stewards saw opportunity. And so we had to learn how, to, instead of looking at situations, looking at the situation in our country or your home or anything, you have to got, you got to start looking beyond the difficulty of it and see the opportunity in it because there's opportunity in it. There's possibility in it. And if all we look at, it's all we see is the negative and the down, we'll never see the positive. We'll never see the potential that God has. Yeah, I think it's amazing, man. Uh, oh, this is a great one. They, uh, a kingdom, I'm just going to say this word, kingdom, understand that faith does not do away with uncertainty, but rather accentuates uncertainty. Oh, here's the charismatic Christian. If you got faith, it's like superstition almost. If we say certain things, if we have faith, we, you know, all, everything's going to be nice. That is really not the truth. Faith is risky. Faith puts you at risk. Okay? Faith is not comfortable. If you're going to really walk in faith, you're going to walk in a certain level of discomfort because you're going to realize things around you are not certain. And you're looking at something invisible. You're looking at something you see that's not reality here yet. Yeah. It's really true, you know, uh, it's not hocus-pocus faith is not. You know, it's not like waving a magic wand and everything. Here's a great example, natural. A businessman starts his own business, has a dream, feels like he has a product, but he needs money. He needs capital to invest, so he tries to find investors, he, or he goes and borrows money. That's faith. Does he, feel, he feels good he's got money to do it, but at the same time, he realizes there's a risk associated with this. But what if my business fails, and, I, and I've lost all this money, and I still have to pay it back? Or what about the, the couple want to have a baby, and the doctor's saying, well, I don't think you should have a baby. Perhaps you're a little bit too old to have a baby, or there's something wrong. That you, it could be a high-risk pregnancy but they decide to have the baby because they believe God wants them to have a baby that's the desires of their heart. 
and so they get pregnant. They're happy because they're pregnant. They're blessed because they're pregnant. But there's this little thing in the back of their head. This is risky. Something bad could happen. We could lose the baby. We could even lose the mom. That's, but that's faith. That's the way faith is. You know? And so we've got to get some realness about this faith thing in our church world. So we can get some realness in our faith thing out there. And that's what these guys were. They did, I'm sure they could tell you. I didn't really feel good about taking his money and investing it in the stock market because I'm scared the stock market's going to crash. But it worked out that time. Okay, y'all all right? That really helps me. That thought there helps me a lot in my life. It helps me a lot. Because I've been in situations where I was having to walk in faith. And I'm saying having to. I didn't really want to because was, I was nervous about it. I was afraid about it. I kept seeing that I could fail, but I kept seeing something on the other side of that failure. I kept seeing there's a possibility there God could do something. You know, it's like, mm, help, Lord. Um, the good managers face the same fear that we all do. They just don't give in to it. Everybody's fearful. Everybody feels fear, right? The difference between them and, and, and the bad ones is they didn't give in to the fear they felt. They pushed through it. They just kept pushing through it and pushing through it, even though it, it felt fearful. Uh, and, of course, the, their view of God is loving, kind, generous, fair, and forgiving instead of aloof and hard and unforgiving. Like if you mess up, you're dead. I don't believe that's true. I think if you mess up and blow it, God's saying, well, that's fine. Let's do it again. Let's make a few adjustments here and let's keep going. Let's learn. And keep moving on. Let's don't stop just because we failed. Mm. A lot of people in this room have gone through some stuff, right? Dark days, hard days. And you get, I don't know about you, but when I get through that stuff, I don't feel good about me. I don't feel good when I look back and think, well, I didn't really handle that right. I didn't do that right. You know, I didn't come... I didn't come out of this thing all glorious. I came out of dragging. I came out of it beat up. I came out of it hurting. And I feel like a failure. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like I failed God and I failed everybody around me. I don't know if you've ever felt that, but I have felt that deeply in my life. I mean deeply, very deeply. So much so that I feel like I've got to do something different. But that's not how God felt. That's not what he was saying. That was what the world would say, or that's what your flesh would say, or certainly what the devil says. God just wants us to get through things. He didn't say you're going to get through it unscratched and unhurt and not beat up. But you will get through it if you'll just keep going after him because he'll get you through it. I hope that helps somebody. Okay, this is really important. Kingdom managers are not sitting, waiting on God, sitting around waiting on God to do something unless God specifically said, wait. <laughs> well, back in the fall, uh, Marlon and I decided to meet for breakfast one, one morning. Remember that, Marlon? And we picked a restaurant. What's the name of that restaurant? The Toast or something like that. Yeah, the Toastery, the famous Toastery. Oh, well, great. We're going, to have, we're going to have breakfast at the famous toastery. It's easy for me to get to. I can just drive right downtown Mooresville. I drove downtown Mooresville. I said, oh, there's Marlin's truck. I'll just park right behind Marlin's truck. I walk in a restaurant and say, where's the guy with the dreadlocks? They said, there's no guy with dreadlocks here. 
I thought, oh, he must have went in a store or something. I'll go, give me a seat, and when he gets here, send him to me. So I sit down there thinking, where the heck's Marlon at? Did Marlon forget this? That's not like Marlon. Oh, well, I'm going to read emails and take advantage of my time. A few minutes later, I get this text. It's Marlon. Where are you? I said, I'm sitting at the first table at the right. All of a sudden, ring. <laughs> Marlon went to the other restaurant. While I was sitting there waiting on Marlon, Marlon was sitting there waiting on me. A lot of times we think we're waiting on God and God's looking at us waiting on us. In fact, if you go into the Bible, it tells you to, you know what? It uses this word more than it used wait, arise. Arise from where you are, arise and go. I think it uses that word over 250 times. And most of the time when God said wait, it was because you were fixing to do something really stupid. You're not ready. Wait for the promise on high. You're not ready to go out there in that world. Wait, I got to do something more for you. But you're going to get to go. Just hang on, hang on a little bit. So what we really need, a, more, a different a change of mind. We need to get out of our, our default is to wait. Our default should be to go and, if, and give God a chance. If he wants to stop us, he'll be faithful to stop us. And you might say like, I do, well, what am I supposed to do? Just start moving forward and you'll know what to do. Do what comes in front of you. This is really, are y'all good? This is what being a good steward, that's how heaven looks at stewardship. Heaven doesn't look at stewardship what's sitting around waiting on God to give you all this information. Heaven says, start doing an informational flow. True. It really is true. And that's tricky. I get it. It's hard. It's real, it, it can be really hard. I'm, what I'm telling you is not, not all that gloriously easy, but we do have grace for it, okay? Ooh, Lord, help me. I got to hurry up. I'm not getting done here. What's wrong with me? Let me, let me tell you this. The good managers are faithful in the little and the big, the seen and the unseen. They don't despise the day of small beginning. You'll never become a, a great manager or even a good manager in God's kingdom if you despise small things. It's just not going to happen. You need to do whatever little thing God gives you. Take it seriously. And take it for what it is. It's a treasure. And it's worth because God gave it to you. It's a treasure. If it's a person, if it's a relationship, if it's a dollar bill, it, no matter what it is, it, it all came from God. And make sure you think, it, think that way. Make sure you, you're serious about what God's given you. And that you try to make sure that you bring out the best in that. Uh, the kingdom manager's self-worth and identity are not built on their talents. They ha- they're not built on what they were given. You got that? You know, what's the movie star's problems? Their whole life is built on their image of how you know, popular they are or how they look or how good an actor they are. And that's not what we, we're about. We don't want to be that way. We want our self-worth and our identity to come from Him as a person. That We're a person. We have self-worth in that. We're valuable in that. Listen, does any of your children, do y'all look at them like, okay, if you do these certain things, you're going to have grace. I'm going to really love you more if you'll clean your room. No, you don't. You love them dearly. You just want them to clean the room. I love you no matter if you clean it or not, but you'd be happier if, if you cleaned it because I might be difficult in my love. Right? 
<laughs> and, I, and the last thing I wanted to say about that is something we have to grow into. And it really takes the Holy Spirit, y'all. What I'm talking to you about is not something that we do in our own strength, but it is something that God wants us to do. He wants us to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives and give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to work in our hearts and make us good stewards and begin to see things and value things the way He values them. I wanted to read this one verse here because um, I think it's really amazing. The wor- I, I call it the worst steward in the Bible is Esau. Do you all remember Esau? The story of Esau. Esau was a hunter, his outdoorsman. He was Jacob's brother. His daddy was Isaac. Guess who his granddaddy was if you didn't happen to know? His granddaddy. Esau's granddaddy was Abraham. I mean, the most amazing guy ever, right? So these two boys get, they were twins. And, and so one day Esau, who was the firstborn, who had all the rights to the family inheritance, two-thirds of it. Old Jacob was going to get a third. In other words, perhaps we should be reading the Bible that says the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Have you ever thought about it? The possibility was there. The potential for Esau to be a great man in the scriptures. But what does it say here? It says, uh, don't let there be any fornicator or profane or wicked person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. One morsel of food, one moment of weakness, one mindless moment, one moment of feeling defeated or low. He gave away to Jacob what was really his. He gave it away. He sold it for a bowl of soup. He came in famished, like, give me soup. Soup was more important to him than what God had put in him. And a lot of Christians, we get into these mindless moments. We get into these difficult situations or these temptations. And we do things. We make choices and decisions in that moment, which in essence, we're trading away the treasure. The devil wants the treasure God's put in you. He, dare, he dearly wants it. He won't, but he can't, he can't force it out of your hands. But he can talk you into giving it to him. He can convince you to let go of who God has made you and what God has put in you. He can convince you to let go of it. He can get, convince you to walk away from it. He can do that because he's a convincer. Think Adam and Eve. Just think. He convinced them to let go of their proper place in creation. And, that, and that's what he has done that. He's not come up with a new strategy yet. It's still the same thing. Are you all happy about this? You should be. I want to read this last one and I'm going to stop. I got three minutes. This is 2 Timothy 1.14. This is the Apostle Paul's last letter that he wrote as a living human being. He was in a dungeon. He was dying. His days were numbered. Timothy was the guy that he felt like God put in his life to raise, him, raise Timothy up to, to carry his ministry on. He was a spiritual son that, that Paul even said uh, in, this, in this book, Timothy, I know you have wept over me. There was a great love between them. Paul was suffering at this point in his life. His end of his life wasn't glorious. That's a hard thing for charismatic people to get. It's not always going to be glorious. At the end of his life, he was in a cold, dark dungeon, eating 
cold, ugly, nasty food. And he knew that his head was going to be cut off soon. And this is what he, one of the things that he told Timothy. The good thing, that's talking about the treasure that God has given you. The good thing which was committed to you. The good thing. The God thing. The treasure of heaven. Are you, are you following me? The treasure keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. In other words, Timothy, all hell is coming after that thing. The world is coming after that thing. Temptation is coming after that thing. Even good meaning people are coming after that good thing. But don't trust yourself. Let the Holy Spirit help you keep that thing. Make that thing the most precious thing. Fight for it. That's what he talked about. Fight for it. Don't let it go. Don't let it go for nothing. Don't get let it go if you have failed a thousand times. Get up and don't let it go. Are y'all hearing me this morning? And so uh, years ago, there was this man that came to the church. His name was Pastor Sam Manika. Remember him? He, he has a brother named Pastor Noah Manika. We were friends with Pastor Noah, who is just an amazing human being. Uh, can preach the paint off the wall, okay? Literally, like, good Lord, why aren't you preaching? Why are you in politics? He's in politics now. That's where he's supposed to be. But I always thought, liked his preaching. He's in politics in Zimbabwe. He went back. But his brother came. Now, his brother was a big man physically, and he was soft, but he was soft-spoken. He wasn't like Marlon, he didn't have this fire b- blasting out of him when he preached. You, you know what I I love that. I love these freight train anointings. I'm like, gosh, I wish I could do that. That's what I call the freight train. Look, a freight train's coming when Marlon preaches. But that wasn't the way Pastor Sam. But when he spoke, you felt a lot of weight on what he said. I mean, a lot of weight. Like, better listen to this man. He's, he's high up there in, the, in, in God's world. And what he says, you better, better listen. And so he, he came and spoke a couple of times. And, and then one day he was fixing to leave. He wanted to visit with me before he went back home to Zimbabwe. And so he came over here to the church, you know, blah, blah, chit-chat stuff. And then he said, I want to pray for you. Okay? Now, this is what happened. Here's this soft-spoken man. I'm going to pray for you. Stand up. He made me stand up. Stand up and pray. Started praying. And then all of a sudden, he went ballistic. I mean, I am not talking about little ballistic. I mean major. But literally, he was bouncing around the room, holding on to me. And I was shaking because there was just electricity. And he was praying like the freight train. And he kept praying this over. I pray that you would have the power to keep what God has put in you. And he prayed it over and over. And I felt like, what in the world? I felt, I didn't know what to feel. I felt the electricity and power of God. But I was wondering, what in the world was this about? Why would he go off on me like this? What is God doing? I was stunned. And he finally finished after a few minutes of bouncing all over. Literally, he was bouncing. Like, you can't bounce normally like that. It was God bouncing. He was like a ball. And I was bouncing because he was bouncing. It was, if you'd have seen it, you'd have thought, we were crazy. What happened to those people? 
And then when he finished, he went back to be a normal, calm man. It was great seeing you. Lord bless you. I got to go. And I was just like, huh? What in the world, Lord? What in the world? I didn't know what it meant. I had no clue. But guess what happened to me not long after that? The gates of hell came down. And, and I, went through, I went through like the multiple thing. I went through something personally. I went through something in my marriage. I went through something in the church. I was, I was, I, I was feeling like I was being destroyed. I felt like I was getting hit from every side. I felt like I was failing. I felt like I, I'm going under. I'm going, I'm going to go under in one of these areas. I got to decide which one I'm not going under. I actually thought that. I've got to make sure I just at least got to take care of my marriage. I don't have no more. I can't take care of the church. I can't take care of this thing I feel in me, this brokenness and this disappointment, this hurt I feel in me. I'm just going to try to take care of me and Becky. That's what I was literally thinking. I'm going to have to quit. I'm going to have to get out. And then I remembered. I remembered that prayer. I remembered that there was this power inside of me that I had to make a decision about and tap into that power and know that God is able to keep me when I can't keep myself. But I've got to let him. I've got to choose. You can keep me, Lord. Holy Spirit, you've got to keep this precious thing in me because I'm, I'm fixing to give away I'm fixing to give away everything that I have dreamed for. I'm fixing to give it all away because I am so broken and I'm so messed up and my world is messed up. Everything's messed up, Lord. I'm messed up. And I I was within inches. I was within inches. One day, and this is what really pushed me. (laughs) This is a crazy thing that happened to me. I was at, I was right at, you know, I was right near about at the tipping point. This guy came to my office, and I, conf- I think I've told you this before. I don't remember. I, conf- I had to confront him, and he exploded on me. Did I tell you all about this? He literally exploded. He jumped up, and his face turned as red as Marlon's shirt. He had a cell phone in his hand. He took that cell phone and threw it to the floor as hard as he could and started yelling at me and screaming at me. And I stood up and I said, I'm not taking this. I quit. And he looked at me like, what do you mean you quit? You ain't quitting. I said, yes, I am. Watch me. I got up, walked out of my car, walked out of that room back there, walked out there, got in my car, cranked it up, drove up the road, drove down there a quarter mile, turned, took right, drove a quarter mile, more mile, mile, went and got out of the car to go tell Becky, I have quit. I am done. I'm not going to be treated like this. I am not going to live my life being abused and being a failure and being a disappointment. I'm just not going to do it. I can't do it no more. I can't take it no more. And as I got out of the car and walked up the steps to the side porch, I remember there's five or six steps, two or three steps over the door. I opened the door to walk into the kitchen. I stepped my foot over the threshold and I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. And this is what he said. You can quit if you want to. That's what he said. You can quit if you want to. But it'd be a mistake. As my other foot went, I said, okay, I'm not quitting. (laughs) That was the Holy Spirit that gave me that. Becky, what are you doing here? Oh, oh, there's a book. 
there's a book I need to get. Hey, y'all okay? There's a book. There's a book. That was a lie. But I didn't have the heart to tell her. I didn't have the heart to tell her that I was just destroyed feeling and that I felt like I was just done. So you're not done. And even if you are done, he ain't done. And if you can't keep yourself, he'll keep you. But, you got, but the pleading heart of God is God. This is what he's telling me. I want to promote people. I want stewards. I want good managers. I'm looking for people who can take what I've given them and put it to work. That's what he's been talking to me about for months. You've got to put this thing to work. You've got to go beyond where you've been. You've got to put it to work. What are you going to do? Get to work. Arise. That's what he told Joshua. Moses did. Get up, Joshua. Move on. Moses is dead. He's finished. Now's your turn. You need to step into it. It's true. Here's something that something the Lord showed me. I'll tell you one of the personal things he told me. I think it, this might not be personal. I'm going over again. I'm sorry. I'm going to be done, though. Remember Elijah? Good old Elijah. Remember he, Jezebel got after him? Good old Jezebel. Going to kill that boy. I'm going to kill you. All of a sudden, big bad master guy pulling fire down from heaven. You know, all that good stuff. I'm scared. Took off. Where was he going? He was going to the mountain of God. Where was the mountain of God? Oh, the mountain of God. I want you all to hear this. The mountain of God is where Moses met God. So, Mr. Elijah takes off to meet God where Moses met him. Okay? He finally gets there. What's the first thing that God says? Elijah, what are you doing here? Now, that's important. That's really an important question. What in the world are you doing here? Meaning this. Listen, there's lots of meaning, but this is one thing the Lord told me. Meaning, this is not where you're supposed to be. Not just about the running, but this was Moses' spot. Are y'all hearing me? This is Moses' spot. This is not your spot. All these Christians are... mm, Moses, earthquake, wind, fire, came. God wasn't in any of that. God was in that kind of stuff with Moses. This is is what happened. It says a, a little voice, a little wind started blowing. And Elijah took what? Listen, his mantle... His mantle, his gift, who he was, what God had done in his life, and he wrapped it around his face. Are y'all hearing this? He wrapped who he was. He was trying to wrap himself around Moses and what Moses was and how Moses experienced God. But God was not in any of that for Elijah. And Elijah wrapped that thing out up and went out there and talked to God. And God gave him actually gave him generational assignment of who to put in, who to take out. This is what's going to happen. A lot of times we're so trying to identify with something else besides the thing God wants us to identify with. 
Listen, if you're, not a, if you're a one-talent person, identifies that. This is what God's given me. This is what I'm going to go with. I'm going to use this. I'm not going to try to do like this person over here who's five-talent, who I always feel inferior to if I compare myself. Or try to, you know. Well, this is why the Lord, I'll just, be, I'll just tell you the truth here. You want to know the, the terrible truth? <laughs> i got to stop. This is the terrible truth. Is I went down to this thing last week, uh, the Bob Jones Memorial Center down at Morningstar. Y'all know what about that thing? They built this building now. It's a really nice building. Uh, you know, as a as a place to remember Bob Jones, the prophet, and it was his five year anniversary of his death. And Bonnie said, "Hey, would you, you and Becky come down here and speak at this thing?" Like, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, we'll say something, you know. So we went to it, and it was great, you know, memories of Bob Jones, you know, awesome. And this is what the Lord told me, like, Byron, you're not Bob Jones, and I'm not going to speak to you like I spoke to Bob Jones. In other words, you don't have Bob Jones' mantle. Don't try to be like that. Be who you are. And that's when he started talking to me out of Elijah's life. Y'all get this? You know, and Bob Jones in part a lot. I will tell you this: you know that mantle he had. He got it from Africa right before he died. He gave it to his son-in-law. You know, a prophetic act here. Take, take this to Africa. All these people claiming they got his mantle, they didn't. He sent it back to where it came from. Somebody in Africa's got it. See, God really is looking for people to be themselves, be who they are, and and accept what He's given them, and love what He's given them. And, and, and take what he's given them and make it precious. And fight for it when the devil comes to try to take it away from you. Don't give it away. That's, that's it. Don't give it away. Are y'all... Who's in charge? <laughs> I want you to stand up, if you will, and I want you to take that yoke off of you. I want you to get that yoke of man off of you. And I want you to throw down that burden that you're carrying that God did not give you. That's what we got to do. That's what I spent the last two days alone asking God to show me these yokes that I have allowed to get on me, knowingly or unknowingly. I'm getting rid of them. And I'm getting rid of this burden that I've carried in my life to try to be something that I can't be. Because simply being, I can only be me. And I want to be freed. And I want to live in freedom. And I want to live in the beauty of what God's done. That doesn't mean I don't glean from others. That don't mean I am not get impartation off of us. You do. You get a little bit of their stuff. But you don't get them. You get Jesus. Jesus is king. So I want you to just say, no more. I want you to pull it off. Just no more. I want you to take that thing inside of you that's weighing you down. I want you to throw it down and say, no more. I refuse you. I reject you. No more. Jesus, I want your yoke. Jesus, I want your burden. I want to carry your treasure. I want to be everything you called me to be, and I want to see it come to fullness. That's what I want, Jesus, fullness. And if it don't look cool, I'm good with that. I'm just good with being who I'm supposed to be and doing what I'm supposed to do and letting you minister to me on that level. Lord, do that for everybody in this room.
Lord, free us. Free us. Free us today, Lord. Free your people. Free us, Lord. Lord, really, we're, we're tired, Lord. Lord, I'm tired. I, I, I don't want none of that stuff no more. I don't want this feeling that I'm going to miss out if I don't do certain things. I don't like that feeling, Lord. You're not going to miss out. If you will commit your life, if you will allow Jesus to be king, you're not going to miss out. You don't have, you just do what he wants you to do. That's all you got to do. You don't have to live in the fear of missing out. You don't have to live in the fear of failure. You don't have to compare yourself no more. All of that, you can kick it to the side and say, now, what do you have for me, Lord? Where would would you have me go? Where would you have me to do? I'm going to be happy to do that. In fact, I'm going to be very blessed and full of joy. And and my anointing is going to go sky high because I'm living how you call me to live. Say that to the Lord. Say, that's what I want, Lord. You know, if you're afraid of missing out, tell the Lord, I'm scared I'm going to miss out. Just tell him. I feel like I'm going to miss out, Lord. That's a terrible feeling. That's not a God feeling. You're not going to miss out. I want to declare that to you today. You're a son. You're a daughter. He's not going to let you. If you'll let him, he won't let you. You can start being more secure. talking I saw it coming down actually um, your boy there John he felt it I could see his hands yo pude ver sus manos um, when the, the anointing came in the room cuando la unción cayó en, el, en este lugar I think this is a key word esto es una palabra clave uh, a couple of weeks ago unas semanas atrás I had an experience tuve una experiencia being in the room estaba en este cuarto with God. con Dios Two things he said to me. Dios, dos cosas me dijo It's time es tiempo to not be afraid. de no tener más miedo you said that. tú lo dijiste uh, there are people here hay gente aquí that I feel que siento that it's your time. es tu tiempo do not be afraid. no tengas miedo it's time for a promotion. es un tiempo de promoción in your job. en tu trabajo es tiempo de sanar es tiempo para sanidad for your heart, a tu corazón, for your broken heart, tu corazón roto, a new marriage, en tu tra- en a tu new beginning, es un nuevo comienzo, it's time, es tiempo, your worst enemy, tu peor enemigo, it's fear, es el miedo, in that room, y ese cuarto, the father, el padre, was singing over me, estaba cantando sobre mí, and you know what he was he was singing, y saben lo que él me estaba cantando, you are the love of my heart, tú eres el amor de mi corazón. You're the fountain of life. Tú eres la fuente de vida. And this is how it goes. Y así es va. He was saying, "You're beautiful." Me decía, "Tú eres hermoso." And it's a song that Marcus Wheat used to sing. Es una canción de Marcus Wheat. Years ago, to God. Muchos años a Dios. God took that song out of my heart. Dios tomó esa canción de mi corazón. And he started singing over me. Y comenzó a cantarme. And I believe. Y yo creo. This is serious. Es serio. Now some people said. Luis looks mad when the Lord is moving on him. Luis parece que está enojado cuando Dios le está moviendo. It's just you just don't know what to do when the anointing is on you. Es que a veces no sabes qué hacer cuando la unción está sobre ti. And I believe, yo creo, 
it's time for many of us es tiempo para muchos de nosotros to hear that whisper escuchar ese susurro and to hear to hear the directions from the Lord escuchar la dirección del that, Señor that he gave Elijah que le dio a Elías go now ahora ve do this haz esto do that haz aquello go now ve ahora it's time es tiempo so let's say to the Lord vamos a decirle al Señor Lord it's time Señor es tiempo I'm not afraid no tengo miedo I want what you want for me. Yo quiero lo que tú quieres para mí. Whether it's a promotion in my job, es un promoción en el trabajo. It's a, a spiritual promotion. Una promoción espiritual. It's a ministry. Es el ministerio. I'm on the poor. Pobreza. Entre los pobres. Entre los pobres. Visited in the hospitals. Visitando los hospitales. Lay hands on the sick. Poner manos a los enfermos. Preach the gospel. Predicar el evangelio. Go do missions. Hacer misiones. Es time. Es tiempo. Do not be afraid. No tengas miedo. Es time. Es tiempo. Amen. Amen. Let's get it. I'd like to invite the ministry team up. We want to pray for you today. Vamos If you want to engage si orar, in this message practically. By getting prayer, we want to we want to be here for you. Queremos estar aquí para ti. Queremos orar por ti. We always want to pray for you to be healed. Queremos orar para que seas sanado. That's always on our agenda. Y también todo eso también está en nuestra agenda. If you need to engage with somebody before you do before you leave, please do that. Si necesitas hablar con alguien antes de irte, hazlo. Otherwise, have a great week. You can be dismissed. We're glad you're here. Ten una buena semana y estamos contentos de tenerlo aquí. Go with God, arise. Ve con Dios y levántate. Will I fear?